am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the Final Word World Cup Daily, Day 31, brought to you by Seabus Super, the industry super fund hitting your retirement at 6. Visit seabussuper.com.au. I'm Jeff Lemon. On the line is Adam Collins. We have been separated. We're coming to you a bit later than usual because it's been a chaotic day, a double-header day. Afghanistan played Pakistan in Leeds. Australia took on New Zealand at Lords. It was easy to get everything confused. We, we had to part tragically after the game uh, so that... Adam could rush up to Birmingham and take care of other things there. I'll be up on my way up there tomorrow. And so we're, we're doing a final word down the phone, Adam. Hi, Jeff. Yes, it's been a long day. I think I'm just at the point where my voice is about to go, and I'm incredibly daunted by that, given I have to commentate all day tomorrow. But hey, what's another podcast at midnight? Let's do it. We, we're a big fans of the Midnight Podcast, <laughs> and um, you know, and it's good to see that people are, are getting stroppy, that it hasn't come out in time yet. I, that, that that means that they're invested. That means, that means they need the recaps. <laughs> There's a lot to recap today. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, been, I've enjoyed all of that, and I've also enjoyed over the last couple of days those who aren't from Australia, who have been very engaged in, in CBUS and speculating what they thought it might mean. Someone saying they thought it was CBAS and the various spellings of CBUS and so forth. So I've, I've enjoyed a lot of that, and it shows that we have a, a, a very loyal group of listeners. And if you are with us and are annoyed that we're a fraction late, trust me, we're annoyed too, but we're doing the best we can. We're doing the best we can. Now, this is probably the first late one. Anyway, let's crack on because we have a lot to cover in a very short space of time and the first thing is you've got to tell me about Australia and New Zealand in 30 seconds. Let's do it. Australia won the toss and elected to bat first on a dusty old track. They lost Finch and Warner and Smith early doors. Maxwell and Stoinis joined them which brought Usman Khawaja and Alex Harry together at the score 5 for 92 I think it was. They put on 107. Khawaja 88. Carey 71. Carey was outstanding and ultimately the man of the match. Uh, then Trent Bolt took a hat-trick in the last over, as you do. Australia had 243 to defend. New Zealand never really had a chance after Williamson fell for 40. Mitch Stark took 5 for 26. Another World Cup 5 for Australia win by 86 runs. Very good, very good. Uh, and aside from the main line of the day, which is unfortunately that New Zealand were absolute dross in the run chase, I'd, I'd like to start on a more positive note and say Mitchell Stark... Three five-wicket hauls in the World Cup, which no one has done. Seven five-wicket hauls in his career, which is only 83 matches old, which most other bowlers have not done. He's, he's in the top five ever for five-wicket hauls in one-day cricket, and he's played um, about a third to a quarter as many matches as most other players who, who are in that conversation. What's the comparison? I know you keep a spreadsheet on this. What's the comparison with Wakai Yunus in terms of Fifers as it relates to games played? Because I reckon that's where he was next on the list, wasn't he? Yeah, so, well, um, well, he's gone past Wazim Akram. He's, he's not near Wakai because Wakai's at the top, but Wakai Yunus did it 13 times and he's by far and away the, um, you know, the, the runaway leader on that front. But 13 in 262 games. So currently, over three times as many matches as Stark has played so far um, and Stark's coming up he's he's gone past half of what Wacker's done so Wacker obviously extraordinary his numbers versus anyone else as well but still seven times in 83 games it's absolutely bananas yeah what that tells me or what that reminds me rather of is that 
how much one-day cricket they played in the 90s. There were yeah. so many seven-game series followed by seven-game series and so on. And these days, Mitch Stark only really plays when it's convenient in the schedule and it, and it marries up with mm. the, the, uh, the, the, the plan they have for him in terms of how many balls he bowls per week and how many, um, you know, all, yeah. all the rest of the, the, the metrics that are set by Cricket Australia. So, um, yeah, it is a mighty effort. He, he took... The bulk of them at the end of the innings, once again, which is a theme. When he comes back for his second and third spells, he's borderline unplayable at the moment. He wasn't quite as unplayable as he was on Tuesday against England, but mm. the work had been set up early by, again, Jason Berendorf, who was retained in the side and bowled very nicely. Um, Cummins took a wicket at an important time, that of Kane Williamson. Uh, Nathan Lyon picked up one for 36 off 10. Steve Smith picked up Colin de Granholm for a golden duck. I mean, that was probably the low point of the chase. Steve Smith brought on and first ball um, picks up a wicket. Well, sorry, it wasn't his first ball, but Colin de Granholm's mm. ball, first ball on strike, and he holds out to long off, which is a, a fairly, uh, I guess, villain way of falling and, and we're going to come to Steve Smith's bell in, in infinite detail soon I have no doubt um, Finch bowled himself Stoinis bowled a couple Glenn Maxwell bowled four everyone got, a, everyone got a go today almost Alex Carey would have been asked to take off the pads and have a trundle himself I'm sure had the game gone the whole way to 50 overs but New Zealand were all out in the 44th Oh, and, and they deserved to be. Um, they were absolutely dire today. They came out, look, I mean, they're chasing 243, which doesn't sound like much, but it was. It was a good score on, on that wicket because it was slow and hard to time shots. But nonetheless, I, I cannot understand and, and I can't understand how it's forgivable the way that they approached their innings, the way, uh, you know, Marty Guptill batted very slowly at the top. Williamson and Ross Taylor just sat there and blocked things out and soaked up deliveries for a long period of time and there seems to be this idea that you can have a surge later in the game but if later in the game means that you're facing the other team's death bowlers you, you can't bank on that I, I don't understand this approach a lot of teams have done of through between about overs sort of 10 and, and 30 of just going nowhere and with this idea that consolidating is inherently good yeah it's been a real theme of the world cup hasn't it and if you apply the filter of oh, what are the scores I wouldn't say they're late 90 scores they're, they're mid 2000 scores that we're seeing at the moment which are winning the bulk of these games and totals that are being defended when you were chasing 243 in 2004 let's say yep. you were trying to do you were trying to make a big dent in it in the first 10 overs to put less pressure on yourself in the accumulation phase and then have the bulk of the work done before you get to the final 10 overs. It's like they've forgotten that lesson mm. because they don't have to do it that often they're so used to 300 versus 300 that when they get it at 243, they're like, right, okay, so how do we do this? Right, we're in no hurry. And of course, we can go at eight and over if we need to. We all play T20 cricket. And they forget the lesson of yesteryear, which uh, which meant that by the time Williamson was out, I, I gave his wicket um, wrongly to, to Cummins before. That, of course, was Mitchell Stark that had him out for 40 or 51. Mm. That was almost a generous... Their score at the time was 97 for three in the 26th over. Even that's a bit flattering. They made probably the last 20 of those in the, in the previous over or two. They had a big over there. So they were going at roughly three to three and a half and over for the vast majority of the first half of the innings. And I understand the conditions were tough and it was very dusty, but it seemed to get better, not worse the pitch certainly uh, at the start of the uh, the New Zealand reply which made it all the more curious why I mean I think it took Henry Nichols in the sixth over to get off the mark the opener now he didn't have much strike but Guptill wasn't going much better we know how powerful a batsman he can be at white ball level he, he scored 20 or 43 and then as I say after Williamson and ultimately Taylor fell I think in many respects Williamson has masked what is a fairly weak New Zealand batting lineup who really when you consider 
They only just limped over the line against Bangladesh. Likewise, South Africa, uh, they, they hung in there against Pakistan due to the fact that Jimmy Neesham and Colin de Granholm put on a, a fantastic stand down the list. Their top order, with the exception of Williamson and to an extent Taylor, just hasn't been there and, and they were exposed today. Yeah, they were badly exposed and, and they blew it in the first innings as well with the ball. I think Williamson's captaincy, they had Australia 92 for five. They got rid of all the big guns. Warner, Finch, Smith were, were gone. It was Kawaja batting with Carey um, and, and that was a brilliant stand between those two because Kawaja had the chance to come in early as a first drop and have that time to bat in the power play and get himself in. He made 88 and and was the, the core of it and then Carey was the only one who could get timing on that pitch. He made 71 at a runner ball which was extraordinary when most other players were going at strike rates of 40, 50, maybe 60 and he was going at 100. So, uh, But they put on a century stand during which New Zealand basically seemed to forget that they might want to try to get these guys out and just sort of bowled defensively, bowled their part-timers, all the rest of it, like they were trying to get through overs and stored up their um, their best bowlers for later in the match as though they were conceding that they would just inevitably bowl 50 overs rather than try to get the team out. Yeah, there was a brief moment when Kawaja came in that they tried to sort him out with Ferguson. Uh, but beyond that, you're spot on. Bolt didn't bowl between probably the 11th over and the 40th over or thereabouts. Of course, he's their number one seamer. Uh, they did enable far too many I, I get trying to squeeze out some overs out of your fifth bowler when there's new players at the crease especially that we've seen um, Keta Yadav do that very nicely for uh, for, for India uh, not just in this World Cup but in a bunch of bilateral series before they arrived in England but it just felt like the wrong strategy as you say they were on a roll even after dropping Kawaja on nothing behind the wicket that was via Guptal and Guptal also put down a catch off Aaron Finch although it didn't cost them anywhere near as it did um, with Kawaja he also took a screamer to remove Steve Smith off the bowling of Ferguson who uh, got Warner with the short ball first up. Just a quick segue on, on Ferguson's first spell. First ball he bowled to Warner was too quick, got big on him, and he edged it behind. And then Smith absolutely smashed a hook shot, which Guptill, after dropping two catches, pulled off a blinder, which I guess is right up there alongside the Ben Stokes catch. And there's probably a couple of others that I can't quite remember at this stage of the night. But that uh, it was right there alongside them with a one-handed left hand, one um, left-hand snaffle. So uh, they they had a chance. They had the wind at their back. A really good catch by Jimmy Neesham in his follow-through to get rid of Maxwell. A good ball he bowled as well to Stoinis, nicking him off. Like, it just felt like mm. Australia were going to be all out 150. And they needed a partnership. And, and lo and behold, it was it was Carey that turned the tide. Three pristine cover drives to get him going. Um, Kawaja wasn't hitting the ball particularly well. In his first 113 deliveries, Kawaja only hit two boundaries. So he was playing a much different kind of role. But as you and I kind of spoke about at the dinner break, Jeff, Kawaja has been picked essentially as a backup opener. He's there in case something goes wrong. And just because Australia haven't had anything go wrong really at the top of the order uh, for about five games now, we we sort of forgot that if there is an early wicket, there is utility. There is a reason to have someone uh, playing that role at first drop. And and Kawaja did it nicely, even though he did go at a a fairly moderate strike rate. He made his 88 of 129 balls. That's 68 strike rate. It was the innings he needed to play and, and, and innings that in this World Cup is important because scoring rates have been down. So uh, I think we finally found where Kawaja's most important role is. It's if Australia does backfire. And if that does happen, they've got some insurance. Yeah, and, and he knew that they didn't need a big score, really, um, from batting out there, and they didn't. Let's keep – we'll race through because we're going to be short on time very quickly. Um, Trent Bolt took a hat-trick, which was fun, but ultimately completely pointless, really. It was the last over of the match. and it, it, Great it, hat-trick. It maybe saved them. Three fantastic deliveries. Yeah, swinging, full Yorkers, you know, um, 
leg before bold you know he got rid of stark and berendorf to seal it off and um and kawaja as well so two bold and one leg before but it, it might maybe save them a handful of runs where if you'd taken one wicket you know 20 overs earlier had he been bold it might have might have been more useful mitchell stark then so um bolt gets stark in his hat trick and then stark is bowling at bolts to try to take a hat trick himself in the second innings which would have been um a glorious curiosity had it come off sadly it did not but mitchell's Stark did eventually get his that fifth wicket to to round things out there. So a comprehensive win for the Australians. The Kiwis in uh, some little bit of trouble now. Shall we call this the end of part one? Well, I think we probably need to do Player of the Day first, yep. just uh, before we. In terms of formalities, mine's going to be Alex Carey. I mean, let's remember just to recap where he was at the start of the year. He's opening in the side against India. He failed there. A lot of people thought that Pete Hanscom should be selected for this World Cup, given that he keeps for Victoria and he was doing such a good job in India, and he was left out of the squad altogether. That's a massive. Massive, massive vote of faith in Carey to not only keep 50 overs a game, but to play a role with the bat, and he pretty much has in every game, uh, often in situations where he's had to put the foot down from the get-go. Today was a completely different type of role, but as you pointed out, he was it was as though he was batting on a different pitch to everybody else, uh, and he has taken massive strides forward in this competition, and I think now there's a very real argument for him to be promoted up the order, because he's shown that he has got the temperament to knock the ball around the field, but also struck 11 boundaries when, when we were in the accumulation phase, and that's a that's a very impressive hand today. Player of the day for me, Mitch Stark, because he's taken 24 wickets in this World Cup in eight games. Last time, when he was player of the tournament, he took 22 in eight games. So uh, extraordinary work from the Australian fast bowler. Part one is done. We'll be back with the rest in a second. Jeff, some people might disagree, but we kind of have some cricket expertise. I think we have no expertise, though, when it comes to sensible things like planning and retirement and planning for retirement. Well, lucky then, we know the people who do know their stuff over at CBUS, and all CBUS members have access to their team of qualified advisors. Wow, Adam, I think I've heard of CBUS before, about 400 times on our podcast. Uh, What does a qualified advisor do? It means if you're a CBUS member, they can assist you over the phone about investment options, contribution strategies, and planning the best way to maximise your super for retirement. So you're saying they can help you maximise the middle overs and then have a big surge in the final 10? (laughs) Cricket reference, get it? (laughs) Yes. And it's probably going to go a lot longer than the World Cup. Ah, well, you can uh, make sure you don't get caught without a retirement plan. Visit cbussuper.com.au. Do it. Do it today. This is the final word. World Cup Daily Day 31. 31 days have gone. Uh, The second game of the day, Pakistan versus Afghanistan, it was what our game uh, that we were at was not. It was a thriller. Afghanistan. Uh, well, shall I do this in 30 seconds? I was going to say, it's best that you do this in 30 seconds because I watched about six balls of it and I know you watched an awful lot more than that. I, I watched pr- pretty much all of it um, in between managing to multitask. Afghanistan, they made 227 in typical Afghanistan style in that nobody made more than 42. There were a handful of useful scores. Everybody batted. They were nine down by the time they got there through their 50 overs. Wickets shared around, but Shaheen Afridi bowled a brilliant spell at the top. Um, Pakistan in reply nearly stuffed it up they were seven wickets down when they chased it Uh, they thought they were cruising for a while and then wickets started to fall late and the pressure came on Uh, it was rowdy it was rambunctious there were fist fights in the street and uh, and, uh, 
a new rivalry. Well, it's not a new rivalry, but there's new luster to a rivalry, which got pretty unfortunate at times today in Leeds. Nicely done. Yes, I think the main talking point is, well, there's two talking points, isn't there? There's that Afghanistan have lost another close one, and there's been some a lot of a lot of scrutiny over some some decisions made by Gulbuddin Naib, the captain. And I guess the secondary unfortunate point is that it, it did. Um, there were some unfortunate uh, episodes in the crowd. I haven't seen any evidence of it myself. I've not seen the, the fights, but there's been enough reportage of it to suggest that it was fairly unsavoury at the end, which is unfortunate, especially given that, um, given that um, you know, this sort of rivalry that, that, that is obvious between these two countries for geographical and historical reasons, uh, we want to see it be the best of our game, not the worst of our game. Yeah. Um, uh, there, there were some wonderful moments on the field. That Shaheen Shah Afridi was also on a hat-trick today. Um, mm-hmm. He knocked over the. the he he was he was brilliant at the start. Knocked over um, a, a couple of. He knocked over Gulbadin the skipper, and then Hashmatullah Shahidi at the top didn't quite seal out the, the hat trick. Um, there was Ramat Shah playing a, a glorious little scoop shot off Imad Wazim, who was bowling in shades, um, which had a, a particular <laughs> bit of style. And then Askar Afghan just came out and absolutely cut loose, hit a couple of sixes, three fours, took on everything, took on Shadab Khan particularly. So, so Ramat Shah made a nice 35 at the top, and then Askar Afghan smashed 42 quickly in the middle and, and really got them going. Um, for a while, then he was bowled by Shadab, and then after that, it was Najibullah Zadran who came in, made 42 as well. Um, so they kept getting these contributions. And then uh, one of the bewildering things in this side was that Samula Shinwari, who we spoke about, who was stranded on 49, not out against India, he came in at number eight and was 19, not out at the end. So, you know, your your informed batsman wasn't given a chance higher up the order. I, I don't understand that as a decision either. And he ended up batting with Majib, the number 11, at the End, who was just swinging wildly and not connecting so Samula missed out on about three overs of strike at the end thanks to the number 11 who just wanted to try to pop everything out of the ground so it was a very Afghanistan innings um, there were various uh, great moments but then as as Pakistan set off in pursuit they they lost Fakhar Zaman immediately second ball Mujib got him uh, second ball of the match LBW which is what Mujib does he's taken more wickets in the power play than anybody in the last four years and he's only been playing for the last two years <laughs> and he's really fought back well Majib. when you consider that he had completely lost his way at the halfway part of the tournament could barely land it on the cut strip he lost his spot at one stage I think and now he's become their most important bowler in the first 10 overs he's been opening for the last week uh, and often not having a lot of runs to work with either. I mean, Afghanistan feel as though they might have just hit a ceiling around that 220 or 230 mark. That's the, the third game in a row. They haven't been able to push beyond that. And even though they've got a very, very sturdy bowling lineup, they just don't have the runs to, to play with in a tournament like this yet. Not quite, anyway. No, but what they can do is pressure sides with their spin. And, and they did that because there was a partnership between Imam al-Haq and Babar Azam, the sort of blue-chip batsman of that side. They were going along pretty nicely. They had 72 on the board. And then Muhammad Nabi came in, got got Imam stumped, and then bowled Babar Azam with a, a beauty that bowled him around his legs, trying to sweep, and and suddenly they were back in it. Um, Mo Nabi is one of these players who's been so impressive with what he's done in the last few years. Of course, yeah, he's a he's a real journeyman, isn't he? I think we said the other week that he's played against thirty two countries or something for Afghanistan, which which gives you a feel for the sort of journey they've had over the last decade or so. I see Imad Wazim uh, finished with forty nine not out at the end. He should have been given out leg before. I did see that there was three reds, but. Afghanistan had already used their review. I think he was on nothing at the time, and 49 not out. 
out of 54 balls. Uh, he was involved in a near run out at the end. The Welsh-born Imad Wazim, I should add. He's technically eligible to play for England, yeah. but that's a whole different story. Uh, but he was there at the end. We saw Wahab Riaz make 15 off nine balls with a six in classic Wahab Riaz fashion oh, to get them there with, what, a couple of balls to go? <laughs> yeah, two, two balls to spare by the time. Um, Imad played... The perfect hand, though, after that reprieve. He was so calm. He was the only one who wasn't flustered out there. He just did exactly what he had to do, hit the boundaries when he needed to, um, ran hard in between times and, and didn't get himself run out, which, of course, Safraz Ahmed managed to do and Shadab Khan managed to do because what would a Pakistan World Cup be without a couple of runouts? But, look, <laughs> when the sixth wicket went down, they needed 73 from 66. So Afghanistan yeah, should yeah. have won that from there. And even later, 46 from 30 when Gulbadeen brought himself back on. Now, a lot of people are getting stuck into him because he went for 18 off that over and they said, oh, what an idiot, he should have bowled a spinner, blah, blah, blah. Well, Majib was already bowled out. Rashid Khan was bowling at the other end. He didn't have, you know, much of a spin option to call on. And he also had uh, a catch dropped from the second ball of that over. He had Imad dropped um, from a skyer that was put down. So had that catch been taken, Afghanistan probably wins the match and then everyone says he's a genius. And I assume Hamid Hassan was injured because he only bowled two overs before he was taken out of the attack. So he must have had some sort of injury that he picked up along the way. Yeah, he, he did bat and was, was bowled by a worldly reverse swinging Yorker from Wahab Riaz, which was gorgeous as well. So, so Wahab had a big day. Um, so Afghanistan, tough for them. They pushed Sri Lanka close, India close and Pakistan close and haven't got a win. And their last chance is to uh, do one over the dispirited West Indies um, uh, when they I meet in a few days' time. Yeah, I think I think they're a chance. I mean, as for Pakistan, you look at it today and look, maybe this was the game they were always going to be run close in after being so fantastic against New Zealand. Yeah. And of course, the, the victory they had last weekend against South Africa, rather, and the way they played against England a couple of weeks before that. So maybe this was somewhat inevitable, but they got over the line. They didn't do their net run rate the sort of favour they would have needed to, to have made the New Zealand loss matter an awful lot. I haven't crunched the numbers, no. not that I know how to crunch the numbers, but, um, <laughs> but if I knew how to crunch the numbers, um, I... I, I I strongly suspect that Pakistan haven't done the thing they needed to do, which was bridge the gap with New Zealand in the unlikely event that they are the vulnerable side. Well, I may say unlikely event. It may very well be the case if England were to win tomorrow, then New Zealand's the only side that Pakistan can eliminate. So I'm sure we'll see all the connotations and permutations ahead of their final game against Bangladesh at Lords on Friday. Uh, And... And the uh, other team in, in in consideration, of course, is Bangladesh. But in order to um, be a, be a threat in that final game, they need to beat India first midweek. Yep. So there's, there's a there's a bit of water to go under the bridge. So there. yeah, basically the way it pans out is that Bangladesh could top New Zealand on net run rate if they win well, um, but Pakistan basically can't. So if Pakistan's level on points with New Zealand, they wouldn't make it. But Pakistan could beat England if if could top England if England don't win uh, in their game. So that's pretty much where it's at. Before we formally uh, put a full stop on the podcast with what's going on tomorrow and so on, we have missed the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm just about to get to that. So we do have England-India tomorrow, which we've talked about over the last few days, so we probably don't need to recap yep. again. But Hall of Fame is extensive today. There's a fair bit to get through. <laughs> So I'm going to give us, you know, a couple more minutes past the 20. Um, I know this is, I know this is risque, but Hall of Fame is very competitive today. This is a whole bracket in and of itself. Okay, so it has to start with Steve Smith. Yep. I mean, look, sometimes when you watch this World Cup you just uh, befuddled at the fact that it's a World Cup. There are some things that happen, like when there was the five ball over last week, or maybe it was a seven ball over. Who really knows? I don't think anyone really knows how many balls were bowled in that over by Imran Tahir on Sunday. Bits like that. Steve Smith bowling leg breaks, which in itself is a 
a bit of a novelty these yep. days. But he sacked that off and decided to bowl off spin for the first time in international cricket. And not only did he just come in and bowl off spin, he ran in with a different approach every ball. He was skipping, he was stuttering, he was walking. He bowled about five off breaks and all of them had a different approach to the crease. <laughs> total club cricket, total village. I mean, the fact that he landed them quite nicely could annoy Glenn Maxwell an awful lot. Like, <laughs> get, you know, get off my lawn. <laughs> uh, Maxwell m- might, might be saying at Smith this evening if they were to run into each other in the hotel oh. lobby having dinner. So, I mean, that, that in itself, that whole Smith thing was yep. just bewildering but brilliant. Imagine, imagine if that were the, the incentive. Because Smith isn't captain and he can't not bowl Maxwell anymore, he just starts bowling off spin better than him. <laughs> just, <laughs> that, would be a nice, that would be a nice full circle from Smith against a, a man who he did have some involvement droppings uh, <laughs> at some stage last year. Um, so there's, Max, uh, there's Smith, but, I mean, there's the other, there's the other bad boy well, as well. Well, hang on. There's, let's, let's alternate oh, here because from the other game, well, I, well there's Rashid Khan getting out the, hol- the helicopter shot against Muhammad Amir oh, yes. and, and smacking him <laughs> for four through mid-wicket with the Dhoni helicopter. Helicopter, which was, which was a, a sight to behold. Well, mine's going to be the other, the other sandpaper bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help but group them together. I'm just saying it. I don't even mean it. Uh, Warner had this very silly moment at the end, which I absolutely loved. So a ball got hit for four, and it went. I went for six actually, and it got lost in the in the in the front row. Yeah, Mitchell and Warner was the sweet, short, wasn't it? That's right. It was Mitchell Sutner who hit uh, from the from the uh, from the pavilion end, so it was in the in the grandstand there. And Warner was, or sorry, in the mound stand, I should say. So Warner was just ch- ch- chatting to the guys on the boundary line as they took some time finding the ball again. Very club cricket, and he started to eat the crisps out of the bag of the guy who was standing on the boundary line. He dipped his hand in there about four separate times. It was all consensual. He was being offered the crisps as Warner's like, oh well. Fair play, I, I will then. And he continued a conversation for about 30 seconds while they looked for the ball. This was with one wicket to win or whatever, so no need for him to not bother having a crisp or two. Yep. And then afterwards, he went and shook all of their hands and ran back off, and he was suddenly a hero amongst them. So I think that just for the idea of behaving that way on the boundary line, well played, David Warner. I think you are very much nominated for the Hall of Fame. And also, I should add, um, straight after the game today, and this is a lovely uh, little side note, um, he went straight to the hospital because his wife, Candice, is expected to give birth tonight or tomorrow. So he's gone straight from the game, straight to the hospital. So um, good luck to, to the Warners. Uh, let's hope that it all goes smoothly and they have a, a third addition to their family when they wake up in the morning. Yeah, got a, a baby girl on the way. So, oh, look, it's very hard to go past that as just a, a block effort Hall of Fame, I suppose, um, <laughs> keep, keeping focus. But there is one thing that could challenge it, which was uh, Wahab Riaz batting in a hat during the closing stages to win the game off his own bat, basically, against Afghanistan. He made 15 not out. He he had a few big swings. He pounded one massive six into the crowd. And then after that, he played a reverse sweep to get a single and get off strike <laughs> while batting in a cap while Imad Wasim was wearing the helmet at the other end. Um, and of all of the wonderful Wahab moments we've had in this World Cup, I, I don't know if anything could go past that. He also even had a catch helmet 
held in the deep, which hasn't happened for him all tournament. Mm, Muhammad Amir did the right thing and, and took a sliding catch it um, down at third man. So for, for that, uh, that um, suite of events, I think Wahab deserves a strong nomination as well. Fair enough. But I think for today, in terms of who goes in the final 32, I think it's going to be David Warner. I think it is. And I think we have run way over time. Forgive us. Uh, we have. With the double games are hard. This has been the final word. World Cup Daily, day 31, brought to you by CBUS Super. Check them out at cbussuper.com.au and uh, find us tomorrow on day 32. Also, the Joss Butler interview has gone up for the longer weekly show. Jesus, it won't be much longer because this one has gone on for a while, but it's it's the longer weekly show, the interview-based program. You can find that on any podcast feed. Look up the final word and you'll find us there. See you tomorrow. Good night. Sorry if I ran out to empty broke this so you know what I meant here. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Every day, hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS, for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.